We all know the problem. Yes. Homeless is increasing. We're dumping money. It's not working. There's people doing drugs everywhere. They're stepping in their own poop. They're assaulting each other. Yeah, we get it. What's the solution? Just to let you know, because you should know. A little bit more. And you, okay, that's check, good. Check. You were on yeah. Gallagher recently. Yeah. That's nice. I went on a, but when I got a show, you know, why, you know why I'm on there? I went to junior high with Tracy. I called him Tracy. He goes, he goes, I've been called Tracy for 40 years. I, go, I haven't seen you in 40 years. You're Tracy to me. Trace. It's Trace hard to change Gallagher. that. Yeah. Like, good, he's a good dude. He is a nice guy. He's a good I, guy. I really like him. Yeah. He has, I like his show. I remember he used to be, uh, we went to school with him. He was okay, on the, good. He was on the surf team. <clears throat> so I always liked the guy who can surf. Ocean guy. I, I imagine the guy on the surf team got all the girls. So. Uh, well, yeah. Got, all the girls are at the beach. It's a lot of them. Frank, so, we're, Frank, we're here with Bill. Bill Wells. Bill Wells, the mayor of El Cajon. Mayor of El Cajon. How many people live in El Cajon? 100,000. 100,000? Yeah, yeah, small by I uh, thought there was more. That's kind of small. Well, look, if, if you counted in the unincorporated areas of El Cajon that have an El Cajon address and people who think I'm their mayor, yeah. about 300,000. Right. But it, the, the actual city limits of El Cajon, right. okay, it's, gotcha. it's 100. Wow. Oh. I go there, it just looks like more people are living there. But you don't have the buildings that downtown San Diego has. Do you have like one, I think it's your courtroom, Superior Court. That's a pretty good like eight-story building, maybe 12. It's, uh, I think it's a it. Yeah, it yeah. sticks out really because it's a valley <laughs> and it sticks out. And there's only one building. It's a little weird. Yeah. Are, are I, you gonna Are you gonna pop up some high rises in Elkhorn? You gotta. I, you know, I think there. Are, I, I don't know if we're gonna get to high rises, but I think we're gonna have more three story buildings, maybe you know four story buildings, depending on the where they're at. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't ever see us having large high rises. I know that Elkhorn. There's only a hundred thousand. In cities, San Diego is probably 3.3 million, 3.2 million. I think it's actually maybe less. Well, three. There's three and a half million in the county. Five. Three five. Yeah. Three and a half million in the county, and so I I believe uh, that San Diego is 1.3. So let me ask you a tough question. Well, I have a I have a good question for Bill. I've been thinking about this all the time. Go ahead. You want to ask a question? No. No, you can ask. You're my big brother, man. Frank, listen. I already asked him a question. This is a question. (laughs) Bill, you ran for public office, and last week or a week or so ago, we did a podcast on artificial intelligence and how we think that artificial intelligence can be used to manipulate an election. And I know there's a lot of people that don't want you to be mayor. There's a lot of people that want to vote somebody else to be mayor. However, the vast majority of people people did vote for you, but you're going to have a lot of people who are going to come after you. So here's my question. Do you believe elections are being manipulated by either artificial intelligence or do you believe elections can be manipulated through propaganda that's put in the newspaper or through different, uh, not newspaper, through flyers that are sent to people that just paint a completely disproportionate picture of you? Well, yeah, I believe that that's been going on for as long as there's been elections. You know, people try to manipulate whatever they can to try to get what they want. I I don't think that's anything new. I think we have to be vigilant about making sure that that doesn't happen. But, you know, you talk about election manipulation. 
you know, when Donald Trump came out and said the election was stolen and and uh, talked about the voting machines, you know, it, it, that doesn't seem to have, be, have been proven at this point. But I could tell you one thing that's pretty obvious to me is that uh, Facebook and Twitter um, were being manipulated by the federal government to change the way they dealt with the release of information on one side versus another. And I think that manipulated the election. So, yeah, I think propaganda is already playing a role. And uh, the lack of freedom of speech is already playing a role. And we got to be vigilant about that. But my, my question is, okay, we saw it at the federal level. Oh, yeah. But, but now with artificial intelligence, do you think that we're going to start to see elections being manipulated at the school board level, at the local level? Well, I think so, because there was a time when people didn't really worry about what was happening in the smaller cities. Uh, they, they were all focused on the county and the uh, city of San Diego. But I sit on the board of the directors of Sandag, and Sandag um, is currently uh, spending about $2 billion a year, but they want to get through raising money, $170 billion on a new project, and people like me are opposing that that new project. And so they very much have a vested interest. And when I say they, I'm talking um, the unions and people that... What that, is Sandag? People may not know uh, what sure. Sandag is. Sandag is the San Diego Association of Governments. Its charter was to deal with transportation issues so we could deal with with a regional approach. Uh, and meaning we have 18 different municipalities in the county of San Diego. So if 18 different municipalities are dealing with the bus system and the trolley system on their own and making decisions based on on that, you're going to have a hodgepodge of transportation system. Basically, it's all going to fail. So the idea was to bring it all together, let everybody have a seat at the table, and then they could make regional decisions that that would help everybody. And that, that worked out well on paper and actually worked out well in reality for quite a while. But over the past few years, Sandag has become controversial because they've become hyper-political. They've changed the voting rules. And so basically now only the city of San Diego and the county of San Diego have a say on what happens with all the money in Sandag. Any other vote from you know Poway, Escondido, El Cajon, Chula Vista, National City, all those votes can be overridden at any time by the larger groups. Then why not just dissolve the whole thing? Well, there's, a, there's, this, there's discussion about it. It's become so dysfunctional that nothing is getting done. Now, I think it's become the most ridiculed and distrusted body in the history of San Diego politics. And I very much think that they're going to have difficulty uh, talking the citizens of San Diego County to give them nearly $200 billion to build a transportation system that nobody wants and nobody but what needs. what kind of transportation? Buses? Trolleys, subways, uh, uh, that you know that stuff that Elon Musk is doing. He's he's digging underground bore. So his idea is to have tunnels. Yeah, I saw with, this. With and and with the, with Vegas make, thing. Yeah, it would kind of make sense. Pretty interesting. Because why not? Go I like the engineering. He was describing the engineering, saying a tunnel is much more safe during an earthquake than the roads are above. Why? Well, because you. You, you make one tunnel, mm-hmm. and then you put some material around that, and then you make another tunnel. So the actual road can move with the earth yeah. and doesn't snap, doesn't okay. break. So it's almost like it's riding independently. That makes sense. Yeah, from the earth. 
That's how he explained it. I'm probably not explaining it right, but... No, that sounds... That makes sense. Well, I say I have a much more old-fashioned pedestrian idea <laughs> yeah. about this. I think you accept the fact that San Diego was built as an automobile town right. in, in California, which is an automobile state. California was the first state that was really built around the concept of an automobile. So it's kind of hard to go back and, and turn it into something else right. now. Um, I believe that most of this global warming talk is hysteria and that it's kind of become a religion. And so people are willing to destroy their own economies and destroy their own lives in the name of it. But uh, I think from a more pragmatic effect is cars are getting cleaner all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're probably going to see autonomous cars not too long in the future. At that point, everything changes. if you have autonomous cars, you and I don't own cars. We we get on our cell phone. We say, I, I need a car outside of my house in six minutes. And you walk out, and there it is. You get in it. It takes you where you want to go. You jump out, and Which, and you, you move on to what you're doing next. And they're, go, they're going everywhere. They're using the freeway system. But they're traveling at 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. They're traveling three inches from each other because they're, they're not going to hit each, other. Hit each yeah. other. It changes everything. And, of course— um, the carbon footprint is going to go down, down, down as we get into hydrogen cars and, and all these other technologies. You know the technology is going to figure out this problem. So dismantling the system and forcing people out of their cars, which seems to be the, the focus right now, uh, and forcing them onto these trolleys and bus lines, which don't seem to have the capacity to fit into a California, San Diego kind of lifestyle – and doing it blindly and saying, well, it doesn't matter how inconvenient, it doesn't matter how inexpensive, it doesn't matter how much everybody hates it, we have to do this to save the planet. I, I have real problems with yeah. that. Let me, Frank. Yeah. So I did some research. There's 8 billion people on the planet now. Okay. I think in 1300, there were 380,000 people, some crazy number like that. And now we're at 8 billion. Okay. So of the 8 billion people... The United States makes up 4.5% of the 8 billion. Yeah. So, and so of the 8 billion people, 3 billion every day burn either wood or animal dung. You are absolutely right. To stay, to stay warm and to cook. To stay alive. So how is it that if we're not driving an extra 10 miles is going to have any impact if we can't get all these other people – like, where are we going to go to another country and say, you got to stop burning wood? Because well, here's what America always does, I think. They feel bad about drilling. They feel bad about making chrome parts, you know, these chemicals. So they buy it from other countries that completely do it the wrong way, that are, is contaminating the world. But we just let someone else do it. You drill in your land and pull out the oil. We'll buy it from you. But isn't, it, isn't that hypocrisy? Right? What do you think? If someone's going to drill. If it's global, why don't we drill? Well, why are you making them drill? I, I got a couple things. It's, to say, it's a bigger question. I'm sure what Bill has to say. This yeah. is exciting because yeah. I, I think about these things all the yeah. time. First off, you you are exactly right. The, the most of the world is impoverished, and they they are living on a few dollars a day, and they're 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 burning dung, they're burning wood, they're burning right. coal. If you want to 
to help global warming, lift as many people out of poverty as you possibly can. The way you lift them out of poverty is giving them cheap, clean energy. Now, we have that available to us. That's in the form of natural gas. In fact, America could get rid of its entire national debt and solve all its problem by selling the world our natural, natural gas. gas. That's right. Now, that would also reduce carbon emissions in these countries like India and Indonesia and China by 95, 98%. And everybody would be happy. They would be lifted out of poverty. They would stop dying of cold and exposure. Um, we could get rid of our Dead. financial problems. Right. And the carbon footprint around the world would go down and everybody should be happy. But for some reason, we've demonized natural gas. And so nobody will even discuss it. And it's just nonsensical. Well, they, and it tells me that they don't really want to solve the problem, that the problem has nothing to do with global warming. It has to do with control and wanting to degrade the quality of life in the West so that right. we can have some kind of a parity throughout the rest of the world. Yeah. We can all be poor, which doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> so, to Which me. is a good segue. So, Phil, but before, just I wanted to oh, touch another, upon that. Uh, Frank, listen. There are certain – in San Francisco, they're banning natural gas. They don't want you to have gas pumped into your new homes. They want you to be all electric. And, and there was even a push to get rid of gas stoves. Yep. And there's a push in New York to stop these guys from making wood-fired pizzas because they go, your little wood-fired pizza is polluting it. So it. you need – This is the hypocrisy. If you, there's a guy who went to the Conga to find out where he gets cobalt to put in the batteries yeah. of these electric cars of our cell phones. He found out a massive slavery. Going I saw that kid slavery. And sure, they're all digging Joe with Rogan, picks. They're yeah, had good. They had podcast. these. Uh, they had. Their, well, they're hitting it with rocks. They have sandals on, and their feet right. are getting. They're little People kids. Are dying, whatever. So, that whole mess, to get this cobalt, to charge these electric cars, it sells hypocrisy on. We want to do what's best for the globe. Yeah. When when they always end up ignoring what's really going on. Yeah, I thought slavery was a big problem. Yeah. Slavery. I, I thought we. Yeah, I thought right. we don't. I thought we decided oh, we don't like slavery. Let's talk about, yeah, I thought we don't like slavery. However, at our border, we're from San Diego, there's slavery right now, and it's child slavery. Yeah, sex it's slavery. It's human slavery. It's sex slavery. It's endangered and servitude. It's on video. It's not like people are talking about it anymore. They have it. A line of kids going to nowhere. You know, the, the coyotes taking them to the border and then selling them off. Coyotes are the people that bring other humans to the border. They call them coyotes. That's a segue into our way of life is going is looking so bad that our homeless crisis is right in front of our face, and we're literally stepping over other humans to get to work, and we're looking at more and more homeless, and we're kind of getting used to it, and people are not reacting. Well, I'm not used to it. I think what it's is going I think it's a disgrace, and it's a mark on our country. And it could be fixed. We, you can't look. In L.A., there's 70,000 homeless. San Diego, we're, we're hovering around 12, 15,000. I think we're like 30. 30. Okay, let's just say we have 100,000 people. We can't, we can't solve it? 100,000? We can solve it. So what's the, what's the solution, so, I mean, Mr. Wells? Because, yeah. big, Mr. Wells, yeah. I know that you are a doctor in psychology. I yeah. know that you worked in an ER room in the in hospitals. I know mm -hmm. that you evaluated people coming in, and about one-third of your clients were homeless. Mm -hmm. So people are trying to demonize you the way you're approaching this homeless issue, but you're doing it 
And I, I don't want to bring this up, but you can also talk about your background, your father's addiction, and how that how that <clears throat> changed your way, so people get to know the the Bill Wells that I know. Well, you know, I yeah, I can certainly talk about the addiction problems in my family. It's been great. I've had a lot of addiction problems in my family, a lot of suicide problems as a result of that. But I don't think I'm that unique. I, I I'm guessing that I, I don't know you both either of you guys well enough to know the the things that you've got in your past or with family members or friends. Right. But if you're like any other American, you probably have a brother, a sister, a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a, a best friend, right. somebody who was addicted to the point where it, it touched your life and you it, it you really, in some ways, probably damaged you. Right. And you certainly saw that destroy them. So addiction is a problem I think we can all relate to. And so that's why I got involved in mental health. I, it, it, it really touched me as a, as a young kid. I made a decision very early on not to, to get involved with that. Ended up working uh, in mental health and doing psychiatric evaluations in an emergency room for a long time. As a result of that, I ended up seeing a lot of homeless people come through the process. And I was naive when I started, and I would meet people and I would say, hey, let me help you. Let me get you off the street. Like I can get you a bed. Let me, I'll make some phone calls. We'll get you. They'd say, no, thanks. Every single one of them. And I, I talked to one of the older ER docs. He said, you're wasting your time, man. They, they don't want help. And I thought, well, that's, that's just, can't, that can't be true. That's way too jaded. I, I, but I eventually I came to the same conclusion. <clears throat> that they don't want help or they don't know that they want help or they're so Both. screwed up that they're like, I don't give a shit anymore. Both. Um, see, the, the, the truth is that there's lots of opportunities to get off the street. And, and that's an anathema to many people. The people. I'll get so many angry emails for saying that. They'll say, how can you say that? It's just the truth. I, we, we have the East Canada Transitional Living Center in El Cajon, which is a great program. <clears throat> Last I checked, it had over 40 open beds. And we've got 500 people on the streets in El Cajon who are not using any of those beds. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. They could go to those beds, but they don't want to. And it's not like they don't know because our police officers approach them over a dozen, 15 times. Each single one of them say, hey, please get off the street. Let me help you. But the problem is, and this is what I found in the emergency rooms, I would say, hey, let me help you get off the street. And they say, I don't want to do it. I said, why not? They said, because frankly, I, I can't use meth in that program. Right. I can't drink. I can't bring my girlfriend with me. I can't bring my pit bull with me. I, right. it, it, all the reasons they had, but the, the truth is they had formed a community where they could do drugs with impunity and they could live how they wanted. They didn't have to pay any bills. They didn't have to go to work. And it worked for them. It's really hard for people to understand because most of us wouldn't want to live that way. Most of you know, I, I need to have my cup of coffee and my shower in the morning. <laughs> and I need that so bad that I'm willing to go and you know Not work, do drugs. <laughs> yeah. work, 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 work all the time so that I can have a nice car and a nice home and right. my wife is happy. And that's important to me. But there's a lot of people that, that, that see that's a sucker's way to go. Right. And, the, and then true. when you get super addicted, uh, and we've all seen this with somebody in our lives that's super addicted, at some point they lose – ambition to do anything else besides seek out more drugs. Right. So if the government will give you $1,500, $2,000 a month, plus food stamps, plus free health care, plus a free cell phone, and you can live on the streets, you, you can steal, 
up to $950 a day without being arrested, um, you've got a whole little ecosystem there to keep you, to sustain you so that you can do drugs 24 hours a day. And if the, the cost of that is you get wet and cold and right. assaulted occasionally and raped occasionally, it, does, it defies logic. But right. There are some people that say that's a good trade-off. Remember the show Fantasy Island? Yeah, the plane. With tattoo. Of course. The plane. Maybe they need... Was he homeless? <laughs> no. No. But he was on an island. Right. So what if there was an island <laughs> that... Like, let's just take Catalina. I'm just going to use that. I wouldn't use it, but... I like Catalina. Let's not... Yeah. Let's not okay, let's How about Fiesta different. Island? Fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares Fiesta about Island. Fiesta Island. But let's Except just say there the was a players. there was an area right. that we said, you know what? Camp out. You guys can do whatever the hell you want, but you got to stay on this island. And if you want to do drugs, whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, you know what that's called? Fantasy it's Island, called, Mark. It's called. it's not going to happen. No, what are you going to do if they leave but the what island? I'm say, what, what Bill is saying is that there is no solution. Oh, no, no, no. no, no I, 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 I absolutely think there's a solution. So, oh, yeah. okay. okay. So if, let's if, hear. If you you got to let the man talk. Okay. If you made me king. <laughs> right. You're the king. Oh, uh, wait, wait a second for our viewers. We're about to hear one of the... We all know the problem. Yes. Homeless is increasing. We're dumping money. It's not working. There's people doing drugs everywhere. They're stepping in their own poop. They're assaulting each other. Yeah, we get it. What's the solution? I got to give a little background. Okay. So we spent $25 billion in the last five years on homelessness in California. We have 171,000 homeless people on the streets of California. A lot of that has to do with the laws that we've made. We've really encouraged homelessness. We've made lawlessness possible. And the state legislature has done everything they can to make it viable to be a homeless person in California. Some people say that's just because they're stupid. I don't think that's true. I think it's a conspiracy. And I think that conspiracy, like most conspiracies, revolve around money. Money. $25 billion is a bunch of change. You look at San Diego County. San Diego County last year got $2.7 billion right. to treat homelessness. My city in Elko, how much do you think we got to treat homelessness? A couple million? Zero. Hmm. No cities get any money besides maybe San Diego. Um, the... The money is all spent through these NGOs, the, these non-governmental organizations. So we've got 65 NGOs in, Sandy, in El Cajon that are doing business, working with the homeless population. Now, each one of those has a tremendous amount of money that goes into that. They, they have high salaries for all their CEOs and their, and their administrative staff. And by the time San Diego County takes their cut and the NGOs take their cut, there's not that much money left for homelessness. Besides... The state of California has made it a law that you can't do anything with homeless money other than provide housing. So, and what I mean by that is that, say, a good program like the San Diego Rescue Mission will get zero dollars from the government because they require sobriety. Right. But it, th that's not what the state of California wants. The state of California wants it's housing first. It's that housing is, yeah, first. Yeah, Legislature yeah, say no. We don't care if they're drugs. That's their problem. So. Since, since we've been putting money into this housing first problem, we've seen 35% more housing units come on the market for homeless people, which right. is a nice thing. But we've seen 48% more people on the streets. So we have to admit that this problem doesn't work. So that's the, the first step towards solving homelessness, admit that housing first is a failure. Second step is to admit what the root problem really is. The root problem is not 
a lack of income. It's not a lack of jobs. It's not a lack of affordable housing. It is addiction. And again, I ask you to ask any somebody, everybody in this podcast knows a cop or a firefighter or a paramedic or a nurse. Ask them. They will tell you. Don't take my word for it. Right. But let's assume I'm right. So the biggest problem is addiction. So now we know that housing first doesn't work and addiction is the big problem. Now we say, well, how do we solve the problem? First off, we need a lot of money to solve the problem. And that's not a problem because we're already spending billions and billions of dollars, $25 billion in the last few years. So we take some of that money and we open up state hospitals again. And we've closed two prisons. We open those two prisons back up. Then we get the legislature to accept what the problem is and revamp the laws so that when you are not making a good decision on the streets – and you are unwilling to help yourself, even though you obviously are destroying yourself. At some point, we have the ability to say, okay, it's no longer up to you anymore. We're going to make the decision for you. We're going to put you in a treatment program, a locked treatment program where you go for quite a while. If you fail out of that, then unfortunately, you're going to have to go to incarceration in a, in a, in a prison. But don't we ha- – didn't Newsom – I know – you didn't – I'm not – You know, I, how do I say this? I don't agree with a lot of things Newsom does, but he did do this thing called care, care court, court, and yeah. I agreed with that. I said that was something where he was going to allow the relatives of a homeless person have some type of power of attorney to actually – is that, is that about it? No, basically what, what care, the care court idea, which, by the way, I was the first mayor in California to sign up with, with care court. I, I okay. wrote him a letter and affirmed him. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Newsom fan, but when he does the right thing, I'm right. going gonna, gonna to tell him he did the right thing. Right. Um, unfortunately, the legislature got involved and all the, all the hardcore leftists got involved and they watered it down to the point where, again, it's, it's worthless unfortunately. But the idea of it was good. The idea of it was revamping the laws and making it so that you had that, that police and fire and hospitals and doctors had the ability to make an executive decision and say, you can't stay on the streets anymore. We're going we're gonna to put you into a locked facility. The problem is we don't have the facilities. You know, I, so we have three and a half million people in San Diego County, right? No. Statistically, one in 100 people have schizophrenia. Now, schizophrenia is a, is a brain disorder that is so bad that you can't work, you, 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 you can't get married, you can't drive a car, you, you're just basically unable to function without somebody taking care of you. So statistically, we have 35,000 people like that in, in San Diego County. Um, we have one county hospital that has 100 beds. So we got 35,000 schizophrenics, got, you know, 40 or 50,000 bipolar folks, uh, maybe a million and a half people with drug addiction problems, maybe the same number of people, some of them crossing over that have uh, suicidality with uh, depression problems, severe anxiety problems and personality disorders. And good, we have 100 beds and we have a couple hundred lock beds. It, we are woe, it's woefully inadequate. It, it would be like. We have one auto mechanic for the entire uh, 
<laughs> entire county of San Diego. Right. It, it, all the cars have to be fixed. Right. So we've got to have the political will to take a look at this and say, wait a second, let's throw all the political rhetoric away. Let's, let's, let's step outside of the partisan bickering. Let's really try to help people. And let's admit that there's a problem. Let's provide solutions for that problem. Spend whatever it takes to spend. And then give the teeth to the, the people that make the decisions, give them enough power to force people off the streets when they have to. And then it wouldn't, it wouldn't be over, but you could, you could drive Manage down it. your street. It could be like when you and I were kids yeah. in the 70s and 80s. We'd you know, drive to the store and, and basically wouldn't have to step over homeless people to go to the CVS. Okay, so here's, here's – <laughs> And a, you can leave your door unlocked. So, Bill, here's a situation that goes back to education that I believe – is important because for the last decade or so, there's been this big push in public education for students to enter something called STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Then they added the arts to it. So now it's STEAM because the arts had to get in there at some right. point. Got to get the A. We got to get well, the I, I yeah. got to tell you, I, I'm, having went to Mount Carmel High School and been very involved in the music, I, I, the arts helped my life a lot. So yeah. No, he's, absolutely. He's happy they got the A in there. Yeah. Yeah. But, anyway, but the actual go, drive was point. the actual drive was not for arts. The actual drive was to put people in science these high pay, yeah, science and math, these high paying jobs and an active recruitment for minorities and females to go into this into field. this in the STEM field. And the government puts literally billions of dollars in to promote this. But this was at the detriment of the social sciences. So many students didn't take that track to go into counseling or psychology or or any type of thera therapeutic kind of a job. So what we've seen is a depletion of the qualified counselors and mental health care and providers. Social services. So 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 when you're when you said like okay we have one mechanic to take all handle all the cars. Yeah, we want to hire another mechanic, them. but there are there are no other mechanics. Like, right. where am I going to get these mechanics? So I believe that there has to be a push now to put these kids into this mental health profession, and they have to pay them appropriately because the right. reason why they didn't go in there – I mean, try, like, try and find a counselor. Even with the best insurance, you can't well, get a mental health service provider. That's my business. I – I, I own a company that, that provides psychiatric and psychological counseling services for federally qualified health clinics. So, um, Do you recruit them? Oh, yeah. I, I've got many, many people that work for us. But I'm going to give you a, a different take on this. Okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I let my psychology license go. My wife let her psychology license go because we could not comply with the state's regulations on on what we could say and what we could believe and, and be a therapist in California anymore. And uh, therapists are, are fleeing from California. Right. Because wow. if somebody comes to you, you know, if a kid comes to you and says, hey, I'm a girl, I think I'm a boy, uh, the appropriate psychological response should be, well, it sounds like you've got some issues and let's talk about that. Let's figure out what's going on. Let me, I want to help you. And she says, great, can you, can you get me signed up for surgery or get me signed up for a medication? 
now you're supposed to say, absolutely, let's do that right away. <laughs> right. But but any of us who've been around and doing this for a while know that, that this is a social contagion. Right. And, and what you have to do is say, no, you know what? Let's just go through the therapeutic process. You'll be 18 eventually, and you can make your own decision at that point. But we're not going to we're not going to uh, jump to this conclusion because there could be a lot of things f- uh, that are involved in this decision that you're making, and that you may regret it if you if you take some kind of drastic action. Because at it's this irreversible. Point. It's irreversible. And it, that's not the only issue. But there, politics seeped deeply in to the therapeutic process. So I, uh, I'm i not a licensed psychologist anymore. I, I, I got rid of my license. I still have an RN license, a registered nurse license. But my, my wife uh, stopped doing therapy for money and, and started doing it for free at the church because uh, she she couldn't be held to that that standard, not just with uh, the transgenders, but, but many, many psychological issues. So if you want to encourage people to go into the, to that kind of profession, you're right about one thing. You, you have to be able to pay them a decent wage. They, they have to be able to, to have a living wage. But you also have to let the government get off their back and, and let them practice their science and their art the way they do it. And there should be standards. I, I, I certainly think that, that you always have to watch the people that are doing this because they have a tremendous amount of power over their patients. And so, you know, there's always therapists that, that let their own personal desires and proclivities get in the way of doing a good job. Not many, but there are, there's always a few. So you have to have a, a licensing structure, but it shouldn't be political. You know, right. Frank, Bill, you know what always seems to come back and, and, and be mentioned? The number one culprit and all no no and all of this crap that's going on is the government. Every oh, yeah. time we every time we turn around, it's the government. It's it's whether it's even when you said you had a homeless uh, solution. Part of your solution mentioned the political will, so you don't have a solution because there's no political will. So then you have to solve the how do you solve that solution so you can get to the homeless solution when the political will is so divided now. That it's not going to let you. It's not going to let yeah. you. So you can never have a solution unless the political world Because changes. they would rather have the people on the streets and make all that money. And that's what, that's what the lie, that's the what money. people are doing. They're not really following the money. When you follow the money, it ends up being uh, towards a party they may have loved. There's, uh, there, and there's also the political idea. And now they're realizing they're getting duped. And I th- don't you think there's also the political ideology problem? You know, the way I look at serving in government I- is that I'm a re- I'm a servant, not a, not a that's somebody who's in charge of everybody. Right. And so, as a servant, I come to you and say, "What are your needs? How can I help you? How can I make your life better?" And that's how I look at a, how I approach being the mayor. And I think that a lot of politicians in California have lost that concept. They've switched over now to saying, we are in charge of everything. We're we're the supreme rulers, and you are too stupid to know what you really need. <laughs> and so we're going to force this upon you. Right. It's for And you're going to comply, and eventually you'll thank us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the entirely wrong approach. Um, we should be crafting a society where we provide safety 
and we pr provide opportunity for people and we stay out of the way and we let people kind of decide for themselves. So if you want to go to a if if you're the the father of this girl that I talked about who thinks, you know, she's 13 and she thinks maybe she wants to transgender into being a boy or transition into being a boy, you can come and see me as a therapist and I'll say, yeah, I think that's a bad idea. And you can see him as the therapist and say, no, let's great idea. Let's it's a great idea. And you can choose. Right. Because yeah. Because that's that's the way you're the, the parent. Works. But y y the government doesn't right. step in and say your particular ideologies are toxic and you're cut out of the equation and giving people no choice. I, we, we had a discussion earlier about the free market and about how capitalism generally corrects itself, even though it oftentimes it goes through these periods of time where it seems very unfair and people are getting hurt. The general way of things is it corrects itself. And I think democracy is also like that. I think democracy, if you give people space and let them live and have some breathing room, they'll generally come to the right conclusion. So you mentioned something here, and you've talked about it before. You used the term a social contagion. Yeah. Can you talk about various various examples, examples oh, throughout sure. history? Because I think that would put this in a pretty decent context. Yeah, so when I first started in... I start, first started in, in uh, psychiatric work in 1988. And that was at the height of the, of the bulimia anorexia crisis. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're, like we're older. But we get it. yeah, so for those of you who are, are younger, there there was a period of time in the, the mid 80s right. where uh, a new thing came on the horizon, which was bulimia and anorexia. And anorexia is basically you didn't want to eat anymore because you felt that you were too, you were too fat, you're you overweight. And then anorexia was really made popular by Princess Di, who would deal with her anorexia by not or by binging and then vomiting up all that food. Right. And and so everybody heard about that. And it was on Oprah and it was on, you know, every news channel, it was on every magazine cover. It right. just became this big thing. So an interesting thing happened. What was a very, very uh remote problem that, that happened in, you know, maybe one-tenth of one percent of the people that you would you would see in, in a clinical practice suddenly became 40 and 50 percent of, of the people in a certain age group. And young women from around the world, we saw five, 10,000 percent increase in people saying that they were anorexic and bulimic. Of course, the market said, hey, there's money to be made here. And so when I was getting into the psych, there were major anorexia and bulimia hospitals in every market. So San Diego, I think, they had the Raider Institute. They had maybe three different big places where you could go and get treatment for anorexia. I was uh, going to school and working in Dallas at the time. I actually worked on a, an anorexic bulimic unit. And it, what happened is these, it became very fashionable, and these young girls— who were unhappy by nature because teenage girls are often a little bit. Yeah. I have two daughters. You know, they're they're yeah. unhappy. They go they go through cycles. Yeah, unhappy, happy, unhappy, happy. They were looking for answers, and they saw on TV, this is the answer to my problem. And not only will I be able to put my focus on a problem other than just the fact that 
I'm having trouble adjusting. I'm ha- I, I don't feel pretty enough. I don't feel popular enough. I don't feel smart enough. Instead of d- dealing with those complex issues, you say, oh, I have this disease, and that's the reason for all my problems. And so people latched onto this. But there's a difference. When I was being trained, um, the, peop- the older, more experienced people would say, don't give in to this. You don't tell them that, that what they're, they're doing is a good thing. Be supportive, be loving. But, you know, if, if they say, don't you think I'm too fat? You say, no, I, you know, you weigh about 90 pounds. That's actually very thin and it's not healthy. Yeah. And, you know, and that was the, that was the way we approached it. Recently, we've seen something similar with the transgender issue. Um, it, if you look at the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual, which is the, the book that we use to diagnose all the people with psychiatric disorders, gender dysphoria was a real thing. It always, always has been a real thing, but a little different than it looks today. It used to be that 90% of the people with gender dysphoria were boys that had feminine characteristics. And this usually started coming out in preschool. So you would see very young boys, four, five, six years old, that really identify with their female characteristics. They wanted to dress in women's clothes. They wanted to play with girls. They wanted to play with Barbies. They they felt like girls. That's bad. And <laughs> I, that's sorry. a good strategy for a boy. But it's, <laughs> it's exactly. get in early. Yeah, yeah. meet the girls. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love Barbies. Man. Yeah, no problem. All right, we Let's talk, put some makeup on. <laughs> we could talk about predatory behavior later. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So these, but what we what we found is that generally, uh, most of these boys, about ninety five percent, kind of grew out of the problem. Many of right. them uh, later identified as being gay. Um. Almost never saw it with girls. And then about five years ago, there was this new phenomenon and teenage girls. Now, what's interesting is teenage. So we never used to see it in teenagers before. We would see it in young, young children. So now it's with teenagers that interestingly enough, most of these teenagers were were part of a social network where several of the girls were deciding that they, they, right. they, they had the transition from one gender to the other. They almost all were inundated with social media where they were being encouraged to do this. We saw a 4,500% increase in two years of, of, of teenage girls that were coming and asking for gender reassignment surgery and or medication. Now, normally, the right thing to do from a clinical standpoint is to say, okay, you're having issues. Let's talk about it. Let's look into why you're feeling this way. Let's talk about what are some of the social pressures you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And let's kind of drill down on what the real problem is and maybe what the real solution is. And maybe the real solution is not um, having surgery or taking hormones are going to alter your life. And worst case scenario you still feel this way in seven years and you're an adult and you can do what you want. But right. knowing that almost all of these cases would resolve themselves and girls would, would find a way to be happy without latching on to this. But what's happened is we have let the patient dictate the treatment. 
Right. So the pa- the patient comes in, and therapists are told you have no choice. It's it, you. Why go to therapy? What do you mean you have no choice? Gender affirming care. No, so you, you have, have to, to prescribe them. Yeah, you have to give them what they want. Hormones, whatever they need. As a therapist, you are compelled to to uh, say yes. This is a, a viable thing. It's a, it's a it's a legitimate thing, and I'm going to refer you to the right. Who's doctor. writing this? Who's who's the person that? The, I don't know. But let's get back to one thing. But hold on a said. second. Who's the who's the czar that says you have to say this? Uh, this this is ex- accepted clinical behavior. If you don't want to be if you don't want to be fired from your hospital. If you don't want to be run out of your university, no. um, blackball. Great, great example. I can't remember her name, but there, there was a uh, a very esteemed researcher who started looking into this, and she's a lefty. She, she's not a, a Republican, right. but she started realizing she saw the spikes, right. in, and and as a as a researcher says, oh, that's not right. That doesn't happen. You you don't see fluctuations of five thousand percent. You see fluctuations of a quarter of a, yeah. a quarter of a percent. And so she started writing about this to say, hey, this is a problem. We've got a problem. And she was completely uh, blackballed. She was kicked off all the publications that she wrote for. She was kicked out of her university. She lost her job. Her husband lost his job. It, you know, there's there's a- so they're vindictive. And now she's working on the Trump campaign. <laughs> so, so here's this. Wait, is, hold on a second. Can I just make yeah, one point? Absolutely. Because it came back to what you said. So theoretically, if you have this group of girls that are talking to other groups of girls or boys, and they start all doing the same thing, it'd be like a virus that's contagious. Right. So that's where you get the word social, social contagion. Exactly right. That's what it means. So there was another one. Remember the the movie Sybil, where she had multiple personality. Per, oh yeah, yeah, perfect yeah. example. So yeah. multiple personality disorder. Most psychiatrists, uh, I've never met a psychiatrist that believed in it. Um, I in thir- <laughs> in thirty five. 30, like I have almost 40 years of clinical practice. I've never seen anybody. I've seen hundreds of people that said they had it. It was a good movie. And they gen- it, it's a constructed issue. It's, right. it's, um, and you know, it's, it's still contested. There's still some people who say, Oh no, there's all these studies. The truth is it's not accepted. And if it happens, it's right. so incredibly rare. Um, but they, it became again, a social contagion and, I started seeing a lot of you know what another social contagion was mm. false memory syndrome. I, I don't remember that. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> the McMartin preschool that never happened. Oh, I remember the McMartin preschool. Yeah, yeah. that the, that was an example of it. They they um, the therapists that debriefed these kids. They thought that there was somebody molesting the kids in the right. school. The therapists that were debriefing the kids all basically planted these memories in these kids. Maybe with good intentions, but they say, "Didn't he touch you there? Isn't you know? Come on, right? You, you Leading were, questions. They wouldn't. And even... then you know, the the three year olds like, I uh, guess so. Okay. I, you know, I sure. How do they know? And then the then yeah. after a while, the three year old. I mean, I, I, this has happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to everybody. Haven't you ever had a, a memory that at some point you think, did that really Would that happen? really yeah. happen? Or was that a dream or a memory? It, what was, or, right, or was yeah. that something like a story mm. that I used to tell? Right. That, you know, it that, came true. That. So, enough times. so one of the ways that I saw it, it was really interesting because I was in the epicenter of it. I was in Dallas. And in Dallas, they had this therapist 
and then he actually worked at my hospital that I, that I worked. He got he got thrown out. He lost his privileges. But he came, he had a client that was suicidal and having all these these problems. A teenage girl, and he started talking to her, and he came out and said she was satanically abused by her family. Uh, her family that said they were good, you know, Baptists were really Satanists and they would get her pregnant and then they would abort the baby and then they would eat the fetus in a, a satanic <laughs> ritual and they would they would sew her inside the skin of, of a, a gutted horse and, you know, just like these crazy things. And these, so this first girl came out and started saying these things and I remember we all said, oh my God, oh my God, you poor thing, that's, that's it's awful. But then he admitted another girl in the hospital, the same story. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. That happened twice. And then, like, he had six girls on the unit. All, they were all telling the same story. And their parents would come in. And I was just a kid back then. I was in my 20s. And, you know, I would talk to the parents. They would say, we don't know what's happening. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're regular people. Right. I, mean, we, I swear to you. I swear to God. Yeah. We didn't do any of these things. Right. And eventually the Dallas Morning News picked it up and they figured it out and they found that he had been thrown out of like a bunch of other hospitals and this is a pattern. It's a whack job. He would, he would tell these girls, the reason you're unhappy is because your dad's a Satanist and he would, do, he would rape you and do these things to you. And they believed it. He, yeah, he, said, did he, he yeah. carefully yeah. implanted these. So that was another social contagion. And, and wow. It, it's scary. Like total recall. Where they implant things in your brain, like a memory of a trip or something. Yeah. Exactly. You remember that? That's what they did. Yeah, We're going to stick a memory in your mind, and right, you're going to think anything, it's real. Right. Anything you do is a memory. You go on a vacation. But the, a you memory. know what I noticed? That when you're talking about these social contagions, whether it was anorexia or multiple personality disorder or this one where, you know, the satanic one, that with the advent of the internet, they can communicate these things because they do Foster. it all on Absolutely. TikTok and all this stuff, and they right. So it's, and the, you, it's, it's the, like it's like a, a virus that goes pandemic, and they make have, it a global now. like it's a cool thing. Like remember that the the everything. The, they do remember gases. the Budweiser commercial where they thought this was going to be cool because we're in this thing, and the Bud people just go, "No, nah, I'm sorry, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We don't want to." We don't want that. We don't want that as our representation of who we are. So I think there's some pushback on it now. So like I, I've 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 beat up on the left a lot, but let's let's look at the right. I mean, this whole QAnon thing that that happened. Oh, and the and the people are still believing in that. The reason the reason that happened was because people were frightened, and they they were looking for answers. And they self-directed to these websites that gave them these really titillating responses. And then they just got wrapped up in an algorithm where that's all they saw. Right. Every day, all day, every day, they're like, oh, look, look at this. Oh, you know, the, the king of England is actually working with the king of Norway to right. take away our rights. And, and it got crazy. Algorithms. Right. You said they, they're feeding you what you, they think you want to, you know, they it, just keep piling it on. My wife likes dogs. Hmm? I do too, but I don't. I don't. I don't get into social media. But you know, she watches these reels, and she likes to watch reels about cute dogs. 
And every she reel is a cute dog. She doesn't even have to look for them anymore. Right. Every exactly. time she wakes up in the morning, there's like 85 right. reels about these dogs are doing right. cute. I things. bet you our phone's going to pick this up now. I'm going to get reels about dogs. Maybe because if I ever mention anything, like hey, I saw these really cool pair of Hoka shoes. All of a sudden, I'm getting these. Right, those are cool shoes. I know I'm wearing them now. I mean, they're, they're I had the best. A, uh, they are good. I talked about my knee hurting once, and the next day I had a knee brace that popped up on my. So phone. what's like, in oh, the that's phone that's monitoring our conversations? But you know, I'm I'm that guy who has like I have Alexa in my house, and I'm just. No, I'm I don't have any. I like it. I don't think I have anything that important up. that anybody even want to listen you know, to. I did too. I, I, it's I, like, uh, but I just read. I read a book called uh, "Live Not by Lies." Um, it, it talked about the history of totalitarianism and how the totalitarians get to you and um there's a whole section on surveillance and i thought oh i'm done i got rid of all my alexa stuff oh you did yeah um what about your tvs flat screen tvs you don't think they're bugging you oh probably i hear i i hear there's a camera in the tvs i mean at, at some at some point you could right you know I just gave up. I'm. I i do not want to be I'm one of those just, guys who's like pulling teeth out of their head because right. they, yeah. <laughs> there's a microphone just, in there. Just boring. Like I don't. I don't ever say say that much. If, if the, but if it was true that everyone's listening to us and copying what you're saying and doing something about it, then how do you have like mass shootings or anything big happen all the time? They could have stopped it. If, oh, good if point. The, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So that is a good point. I don't think that there. Uh, maybe, maybe there's so there's many things that so, go wrong. You he, go like they uh, just found the lab hold on, in uh, in uh, L.A. Yeah, and they said some guy walked by and there's a hose coming out. Yeah, I saw that. And then they went in there and found out there was a biological things going on with a Chinese company and they found yeah. a bunch of dead rats and they're dealing with bloodborne pathogens. Right, a lot and of that's them. been there for a long time. Yeah, that's the How one. How does the government not know about that? Well, that's just the one they found. Yeah, but I don't think it's this. I don't think the government's that. So here, here's the here's that the sharp that good. Yeah. The twist on what you said though is, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I don't worry about surveillance because the same thing as you said. The problem with surveillance is not that they're listening to everybody. The problem with surveillance is they decide they don't like you. No, once your tags are done, correct. And, they, and then and then they go back and look at everything you said everything. over the last year, and they right. say, and they, it's it's like the uh, the uh, secret police. Leader for for uh, uh, Russia for the USSR. I can't remember the guy's name, but he said, "Show me the man, I'll show you his crime," which I think is a lot what what uh, Trump is dealing with right right now. Right. You know, it's like they. I think a lot the, a lot of the reason people are so upset about what's happening with Trump right now is not because he committed a crime and got caught, but because it's pretty obvious that the government looked for a crime. They got bunch of people together and look through every document they possibly could and say, ah, here's something we can get right. them on, which is not the way that government should be dealing with us. Correct. Not not a free government. Right. But they do. Have you heard of these Chinese it. credits? Credit score? Yeah. Yeah. Where if you if you have a low score, you may not be able to buy gas or you're rationed on something. Yeah, but what's that different about what we do here? It, it's just it's taking it to another, another level. But if you want a, a loan and you have a bad credit score, you're not going to get a good loan with a good percentage. No. So they judge you already on credit. No, because that's getting. I mean, but they're talking about we're talking about things you have to live with. Like. Me, me doing this podcast. If we had a, a, a 
a, a social credit score. Mm-hmm. Me doing this podcast would take my social credit score down to the point where I would not be able to go to certain restaurants and I would not be able to buy certain goods right. and I would not be able to hold certain jobs or have certain clearances. So when you called me up and said, you want to do my podcast, I was like, yeah, it's not it's not worth it to me, man. I, right. It, it's, so here's what I say about that. You being on this podcast is going to elevate you to a super high level and make you get what you really want because you're on part of the program. And you, well, I think I agree with you. Right? I, I can say, I can say that the things that the things that you share that you're sharing now, they're not like crazy, like conspiracy theory things. They're based upon research, based upon history, based upon what we know that has happened in the past and how these social contagions have gone through. And I suspect at some point we'll look back in 20 years from now and go, remember when everybody was wanting to... Let's show Bill Wells on our interview. He called it 20 years ago. But who knows? What's the next one going to be? Can I say one thing about the homeless? Because I know that you're dealing a lot with the homeless, getting a lot of media for the homeless issues. I want to tell you what I think a homeless person is and tell me if you think I'm correct. Okay. Because we're talking about a housing crisis, right? We have a housing shortage, and that's why a lot of these people are on the street. We have to build more houses for these homeless people. I disagree but with I, that, but go ahead. Okay. I do too. So here's, here's what I'm going to say. All these people that are homeless now were not homeless a while ago. They lived in a house, and they probably lived with their family. And they started, be, they started to take drugs. And the drugs started affecting the family. They started stealing from their mom's purse. They started living weird. And the parents go, hey, man, you can't live like this. Tough love. If you don't follow our rules, you have to move out. So then they go to a friend's house. They do a little, they go on their sofa. And within a, a short amount of time, the drug addiction starts to go. And they get kicked out of that house. And then they go in someone's garage. Man, I gotta, you can sleep in my garage for shelter. And then a bunch of stuff is going on in that guy's garage. He goes, you can't do this if you want to live here. And then they go on the street. So all these people that are looking for housing have housing. As long as they change their attitude and their addiction, they can go back to the housing they originated from, especially if there's a study that says 85 percent. I don't agree with this, but there's a study that says about 85 percent of the homeless people in San Diego are from San Diego. So if that's the case... There is housing for them to live in. It's called their parents' house. You know, where they got kicked out of, they can still go back if they clean themselves. So if you took care of that mess, how many homeless would there really be? And then you can build for them. What do you think? I think you're completely right. Hey. You know what I think? I think that if, there you go. if we can, if we so can figure out. So you take care of their addiction. It's about the drugs. No, I understand. But there's got to be a way. Maybe AI will invent this pill that we can give either a shot or a pill like you know like a billify you you know just something that just gets into the brain like an instant blood transfusion to get rid of all the toxins and then but no but just make them not go i don't have addiction anymore we have we actually do have medications like that there's an abuse that that makes it right for alcohol impossible to drink yeah Um, but an abuse is a torture you know you take an abuse you're gonna puke so that's kind of i think something that can if you drink if you drink but something that but you're still craving the drug you know when you take when you consume a lot of alcohol you, you become a diabetic right because alcohol turns into sugar sugar you start craving the sugar so part of your addiction is to get that sugar needed isn't it no no, it's it's. I should have kept it with that one. No, that's right. it, Frank. No, the thing. It's, it's all alcohol. It's it's your your body becomes physically dependent. What happens is, if you want to get into the clinical aspects yeah, of this, right? When you start drinking, um, your body stops producing dopamine. Uh, dopamine is is a neurotransmitter that makes you feel good. It makes you it make 
it helps you think and it makes you feel level and normal. Um, when you take a lot of different drugs, uh, not just alcohol, but like opiates and other drugs, your body says, oh, we don't need to make the neurotransmitter anymore because it's being supplied somehow from the outside. So the body's very, uh, it's efficient. So it doesn't make the dopamine. And then you take the, the drug away all of a sudden and you have this massive shortage of dopamine, which you need to survive, and the body gets sick because it takes a while to gear that back up. So in the case of opiates, it takes about seven to 10 days to get back to normal where your body's making the, these own. Oh, that's not that long. No. Can't you keep it? Okay, so in the county, if you're suicidal, you got a CMH, if, you know, a mental patient. You go into a 72 holding at CMH, right? If you uh, get picked up on the street. You can, yeah. And or, or, usually, why can't you usually keep it's them not for CMH, 10 days? Usually it's one of the private hospitals, but okay. And so, and the only, after 72 hours, you tell the person, do you feel like committing harm to yourself or others? And if the person says no, then they, they leave, right? Yes. And so if it only takes nine to 12 days to detox someone, can't you keep them in there for a nine to 10 day evaluation, not a 72, and then get them on the right program? So you know, there's, a, there's, there's a law called the LPS laws. It's the, stands for Latimer and Petrus Short. It's the laws that govern how you can keep people against their will. And those laws say that you are not allowed to keep people against their will based upon drug addiction or alcohol abuse. So a lot of people would come to me and say, please put my daughter on a 72-hour hold because she's a heroin addict and she's going to kill herself. She's going to die. She's going to die out there. And I say, you're right. She is going to die out there. She's, you know, living with gang members and, you know, in some rat-infested flop house. Right. And she's overdosing all the time and she is going to die. But I'm not legally allowed to put her on a hold unless she tells me she's she's trying to kill herself. So if she says, yeah, I'm taking heroin because I want to die, I want it to kill me, I can put her on a hold. But right. if she's taking heroin because it's a, lot of, it's a lot of fun and she's hanging out with her friends and she feels good about it and she doesn't want to stop, I'm legally obligated to say, go at it, have a good time. You ever seen some of these other countries? That's a hard one because you got the freedom, I guess, to die. If, you know, freedom is like, leave me alone. As long as I don't admit it, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party. You, so how do you not know where that life's going to lead you? You know, you got, a, you got a shot in your arm. You're in, you're homeless. You're buying who knows what on the street. You know there's fentanyl out there being mixed, but you continue to do it. But you allow that person that needs the most help, laws that protect him from living. Why don't we change the laws? Because we have a su- we had a crisis. Because we have a supermajority in the California state legislature that is not just the Democrats. I I don't really have a problem with Democrats. They're super radicals, and I don't know why. And I can't really answer. I don't know why California doesn't see what's happening. The, the, the state is obviously declining. It, every part of life is not as good as it used to be. It's unbelievable. And it, you think that normal people would say, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not going to vote for radicals anymore. I'm going to vote for, like, middle-of-the-road type people, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. You know, there are moderate Democrats. They've just been pushed out. The problem of being a Democrat or Republican gives the government, whoever's really in charge, the ability to separate and divide. And it's so easy for them right now that you're never going to get a consensus because if I say – if I want to be a politician, everyone loves my views. They don't know which part I'm at. 
The second I put a D by it, the Republicans are not going to vote for me. The second I put an R, the Democrats are not going to vote for me. So it's so party-driven that whoever's in the majority is going to win. Right now, it's the Democrats. So it's going to be a one-party state, Democrats. And I think the Republicans have no chance, even a good Republican, to come up with a solution because the R but is I can, name. But I can also say every single city that I see that's in massive decline Democrat, is right. run by a Democrat. Right. San Francisco. So why is there such a denial New York, like your policies don't work? Um, uh, what, uh, whether Los Angeles. I mean, Los Angeles, these guys are running in stores well, the and just looting yeah. like crazy. And you know what? They may not even get arrested. The same people because it's under 950. who carry guns, firearms, are being, you know, there's all sorts of things. Like, I can't believe you carry a gun. The Second Amendment doesn't need that. Get rid of guns. But it's like, well, if you would have a lower crime rate, really low, where people don't feel like, oh, my God, I literally have to carry a gun now or I feel like I'm not being protected because I've seen on the social media windows getting smashed, carjacks, shootings, yeah, they're robberies. Scared. They're scared. They're scared. Cops don't respond. The cops only respond to take a report. The cops never break it up. The cops never catch a bad guy at first. I mean, it's rare. They're there for a report. I need to be protected. So how could you tell people not to carry their guns when other people, Bad people have guns and are actually using them to kill. You, you can't. You see how it works? It's like if you give me, like they always say about the Democrats, the, the leaders, you may be against guns, but you got a team around you that's heavily armed. If I had a team around me that's heavily armed, I wouldn't carry. Yeah, you know, that whole gun debate, it, we're, we're really talking about everything. No. But I, I, find it, I find it really interesting that this, the same people – that are very offended by the idea of, of law-abiding citizens having firearms are perfectly fine with having no bail and closing the <clears throat> prison right. system and, having, and defunding the police. Right. If you don't want the populace to, to protect themselves, you got to make it safe. There you go. And, and you know, if, if you make it lawless, of course people will have to protect themselves. I mean, back in the day, no one thought about when we were growing up, we didn't know anyone carried guns. No. Well, they we didn't. didn't. No, and if you got in a fight, you well, punch back out, in the right? day. We could ride our bicycles through the canyon to get to our friend's house. Yeah, without feeling like you're getting molested. Yeah, or attacked. Now, Can't would do you, that. if you have a ten or eleven year old kid, would you let him ride their bike through the canyon? Oh my gosh! Be like, no way. That was just normal. The worst thing we were worried about is getting bit Dude. by a snake. Yeah, there's. I, yeah. I used to meet my friends uh, at five o'clock in the morning, and we'd ride our bike across time, town to Lake Murray. Right, yeah. and build a fire and go yeah. fishing by yeah. ourselves. And we were of course. eleven years old. Yeah, we did that too. And, and no, when the sun starts <coughs> setting, you're like, I got to start home. getting home. It's getting yeah. dark. I got to get right. my. No one hassled you, and it was on the military base. And the military didn't care. You can't no. do that. Now. But I can. Okay, so for a lot of people growing up in the '60s, for a lot of people, it wasn't that good. Like if you were black, yeah. it was tough because. Yeah. Like there was like well, in some neighborhoods, and still you didn't even if you're you couldn't even live in La Jolla if you're a Jew. It was right. tough if you're a Jew. It's still tough if you're black and you're a Jew. It's way better, but it's not not still not good. Right, exactly. But but to put in so many protections that we've the pendulum has just went way over like too far where. Your kid, I, I don't, I can't even leave my garage door open when I'm working around my own house because I know if I do, and I'm in my house for over an hour, I'm gonna get shit taken out of my garage. This is yeah. guaranteed. I'm gonna get ripped off. Some guy's gonna drive by. Oh, open garage. I'm gonna go in there. And it's you know, if golf they, clubs or something. Yeah. Of course, they're gone. 
Power tools. Is, yeah. I have so much shit in my garage. I leave it open on purpose to to hope someone will steal some of my stuff. Yeah, just to d- get rid of all <laughs> yeah. the crap you have. I know. <laughs> Let's go free with I was fine. I, I, uh, no, my, but that's like in the porch pirates. Here's another weird thing. We, we, let's talk about everything. Why is it if I have an envelope this big in my mailbox and someone opens it and takes my envelope, that's a federal crime right. because it's against the U.S. Postal Service. But if I have a package that's delivered under it or by my front door from uh, UPS. A non-governmental agency. Non-governmental agency. agency yeah. it's, you could take it all day long. There's no report. I got the guy on video. There he is. He's smiling at me. Here, cops do something. They don't follow it. Well, I, Why can't we make the laws match? I, I, I don't know. I, I, for, for my own personal bank account, I think Amazon should be outlawed. I'm, I'm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> If you look at all the stuff around my house, yeah. I, I, I don't that. know if you guys yeah. do. I come home, I, oh, so I, I look. Three I, packages every I'm day. I'm like, what is, what's, what's in those boxes? My wife there? has a truck dedicated to her. I, yeah. I, I, they, it's her I, truck. They, it just delivers for her. They got my wife's picture. Mark drives corp- it. <laughs> at the corporate office, they Go got a, pick big, up my a big picture exactly. of my wife. And they say, our founder. You know, I, I, so, Betty, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, 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 I'm okay. just joking. It's yeah. The biggest no problem that they did was this Prop 47 in California, which essentially made it legal to have, have drugs <laughs> right. and to steal anything under $950. It emboldened everybody to do all these things, and they can not be ar- they can be arrested, but they're not going to get prosecuted. Well, they don't even get arrested. So we, in, in El Cajon, like every other place around, we, we can give you a ticket. So Please show up in court. You know, if, yeah. And so you go to the guy and say... Uh, do you have any ID? No. No. What's your name? Uh, John John Smith. All right, Mr. Smith, here's a ticket. You're supposed to show up in court. So, yeah, thanks. Right. And the cop w- w- drives away. He puts the ticket in the trash can or yeah. actually just throws it on the ground, and that's the end of it. And it goes into another store and steals. Now they're trying to even push an ordinance that allows – if you are a citizen and you walk into, let's say, Vaughn's, and you start seeing these people throwing, and as a citizen you go, hey – Stop doing that. Don't do that. Then you can be charged by housing a guy who's stealing. Have you heard this? I haven't heard that. But I heard it. You're going to hear it. I heard it. It's coming out. I heard it. So do not approach goes to citizens because now if something happens, you're the aggressor. You're the perpetrator. Yeah, you've 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 bothered their peace. Yeah, your your thing is to get a description, call 911. And give information and don't get involved. I mean, I was just told this. A, a homeless guy came down my street and he was yelling and screaming. Yeah, my neighbors call me 10 houses right. up and go, there's a, there's a guy coming down and he's going towards your house. I live on a cul-de-sac. So I get 911. I'm like, hey, do you have a PERT team, a psychological emergency response team? Somebody's coming down my street screaming, throwing trash cans. He makes it to my house. I'm like, and she goes, don't approach him. Don't approach him. I'm like, well, he's going to go in this neighbor's front door. So I'm approaching him because I'm not waiting. But all I did is I said, excuse me, would you like some water? Because you look thirsty. And he, go, and he goes, sure. And I'm like, can you just sit down here? And, uh, can you just sit down and chill out in my front yard and I'm gonna go get you some food and water? Because you look like you're freaking eating something to drink. Because he was, you know, I saw an IV in his arm. He just got out of a hospital, hospital socks, no shirt. Psychotic. Psychotic. Yeah. And so I just kept Scary. him there, but it still took like forever. Was he for calm? Me. Yeah, he was. Cal- he was still screaming, but I he was, he thought his girlfriend was hiding in the cars, <laughs> so he's screaming at my car. 
Yeah. I didn't say your girlfriend's on either. I'm just going, hey, don't yell at her yet. Just, just. Yeah, by the way, don't, don't ever uh, contradict people on their psychosis. Don't ever what? Right. Don't no, exactly. You, you right. Don't don't, no, no. I, it, there's nobody there. It, I know. Yeah. If, if somebody, I said, don't yell at if her. If somebody's now. saying that that they're being monitored by yeah. uh, by a satellite, yeah. Um, you say no problem. You say yeah. I I understand. Right. If they say you're trying to kill me, you're having thoughts about right. killing me. Say no, you're wrong about that. I'm not having any thoughts to right. kill you. But no, it, I got you. That's why when he was yelling at the car, I didn't say. That's a car. Yeah, if you see that, you're you're acting you're crazy. crazy. That's I just go. Don't yell at her right that now. Let's just you get you some Gatorade. Yeah, you you handled it really well. Well, because he's he was to be a cop. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you have law enforcement. You have different training. You have law enforcement training. Yeah, the last thing that's going to solve a problem is guns or you're not yeah. going to try and take the guy down. I mean, what if he bites me or you know bullet you know. Well, if he's not posing a threat, did you see the guy he's who? Just did you see the guy who was robbing him. the Seven Eleven? Who was burglarizing the Seven Eleven? He had a trash can. They beat, and him the, with a stick. they beat him with a stick. I mean, even even to me, I was like, that's a little excessive. Yeah, like, a little excessive. You're but people guy. are tired of it. How do you know that's not the twentieth guy? Well, that, even if it was the twentieth guy, you can't I beat someone well, with a stick like that. that you know, They're, what they but, said was that he had been there three times that week and had completely emptied their shelves. Oh no! And you know, of so course, he deserved a good ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, curbside. I, I didn't see it. Was it so, gnarly? Crazy? Yeah, it was a little. Yeah, it was like they were excessive yeah. force. Well, they were choking him. Yeah. And then the other dude was just whacking him with a stick, and he's like saying, stop. And he didn't seem crazy. He just seemed like a dude who wanted to steal stuff. But I wasn't there. I don't know what's going through these guys' mind. I don't know how much Well, what would you do if some guy came into your garage for the third time in front of your family and started stealing your stuff, and you had a stick? They'd probably hit him with a stick. Get his ass kicked. Well... Uh, but then you'd have to take the repercussions of like right, then you just do whatever. I mean, if nothing happens to them, what's going to happen to you? I shut my garage because that's right. how I prevent that these. Garage. That's how I prevent right. these you things avoid, from happening. Avoid gas stations after ten. There's a whole bunch of things you can do in life just to. But yes, I'll tell you what: not we, be in the wrong place. But when at the wrong we go time. back to this homeless problem, and I want the solution. But the the, the thing is, their homeless people are from the last statistics I saw from San Diego. 517% more likely to commit a crime. And then they're committing crimes on each other. And explain, you know, they end up in the, they end up in the hospital they, with traumatic injuries. I mean, they're like, some of them are really getting their ass Well, it's like kicked. over 80% of violent mm-hmm. crimes in San Diego are homeless against homeless. Mm-hmm. So if you have, and these are stabbings, shootings, rapes, rapes, rapes. chopping fingers off, they go into a trauma center, right? Depending, Tran- yeah. Transporting. Let's say there's a butcher knife in the guy's head and he's still breathing, right? Yeah, so that's, that's definitely a major trauma. trauma. And so when you get that system, the 911 system involved, the trauma involved, the surgeons involved, the cost of the hospital because that guy's not going to pay. And typically, if you ever get a bill from a trauma center, it's going to be above 30 grand. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple hundred Gs later, and and not only that, you can't let the guy leave. The hospital has to house him until they find, until he's done well, and then they have to find housing for him. So that impacts everybody, the whole society. And that's why we have these cost medical when you get a Band-Aid for 500 bucks from an ER room. How do yeah, you know Tylenol is right? 50 bucks. Well, yeah, we certainly see that in the psychiatric world. Um, 
you know, the psychiatric hospitals are revolving doors for people that want to get off the streets. So they they would come in and say, I'm suicidal. And, you know, they just got tired. They got, they got tired of being on the streets. They want to take a rest for a while. They come, right. in, come in for Food. Two, two or three days, eat, right. sleep, shower, take a couple of showers. And then you say, okay, I feel better now. I want to go right. home. And I had people we called frequent flyers that, right. you know, I, I would admit – Three, four times a month, and you try, you try to talk to them, tell them to get out, but they know the game. They they say you can't right. kick me out, and I say, yeah, you're right, I can't. Right. And you know, and they say, yeah, you're gonna have to admit me. And I, here's a funny story. So I, I uh, there was a guy who came in, and I went into the room, and I was tired. I, I, was, I was done with it, and, and I said, I said, what's up, man? I said I knew him. I said, what, what's going on? He goes, I need to be admitted. I said, John. You don't need to be admitted. He goes, I am. I'm going to kill myself. I'm suicidal. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go do your paperwork. I'll be back a little bit. He goes, yeah, can you get me something to eat? I said, yeah, sure. So I grab a sandwich and a, and a, a milk. And I, I took the sandwich and the milk to him. I remember this, he had just told me how suicidal he was. I gave him the sandwich and the milk. He looked at the milk and said, this is whole milk. I said, yeah. He said, do you know how bad this is for you? I goes, I can't drink this. I, I need some, I need 2%. I want to live. Wait, I want to die. Right. Contra- so, contradicting himself. Hey, Bill, let me ask That's you a question funny. here about being the mayor. Yes. You're one of probably of only a handful of Republican mayors in the county, correct? Yeah, a few. And then – and but you're the, – the way you articulate yourself, and I've seen you multiple times. You were just on Fox National – um, talking about various things, the way you articulate yourself, it makes a lot of sense. Do the other mayors that you work with ever call you and say, "Hey, I kind of like what you're doing. I want to partner with you," even if they're from the uh, a different party? Yeah, we all. Oh, nobody ever from the other party. <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm good friends with most of the other Republican mayors in town, and, and we collaborate on things. You know. Uh, along with like Jim Desmond and uh, Joel Anderson, you know, we'll we'll collaborate on on various issues. But as far as like the mayor of San Diego or the mayor of another or Chula Vista, I did I did meet with Todd because he, he and I, did, I know him. He t- doesn't seem like he's that far radical. Um, he's trying to get the homeless off the street. He so, passed some laws that weren't popular for. for 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 the city, you know, he said, "Okay, we're not going to have any more encampments. We're going to get rid of them." Like it seems like he's doing little steps. What's he doing wrong? Let's yeah, just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Why can't he get why, this what done? Is, why well, can't Todd Gloria get it done? Why can't all the mayors, regardless, everybody has the same problem? It doesn't matter what political affiliation they're in. Yeah. Why can't they just go? Hey, we got to solve this one. Well, first off, um, I I will say that Todd Gloria is articulate and super smart. Uh, Mm-hmm. I, I sat next to him in San Diego for a long time. Very bright guy. Um, I think he's been fairly radicalized by by the left. I'll give you an example. He tried to pass a law in the legislature that affected me. It said that if you're a therapist and somebody comes to you and says that they uh, want that they have same sex attraction, but they don't want that, they want to be treated to help them not have same-sex attraction, that it would be against the law for a therapist to try to help them. So if you came to me and said, right. said I'm attracted to I'm, guys. I'm attracted to guys, but I, I don't want to ruin, ruin my marriage. I, I want I want this to go away. Yeah, I would be against 
it, according to Todd's bill, it would be against the law for me to try to help you. So I think that gives you a sense of how radical he is. Um, but, you know, I think he's doing— Did that law pass? I believe it, I th- it didn't make it. Um, it came close, but it didn't make it. But that's the—I I only give that to you for context. Um, I think that he has started off his, his candidacy being pretty, pretty far left. I mean, I, I, I think he opened up the streets to homelessness. I think he didn't really want to do anything about it. I think he, you know, was in favor of firing all the employees for not getting their um, injections— right. You know, so I think he took some pretty far left uh, positions. Um, I will give him credit for his recent having seen the light on not letting people sleep on the streets. And he's uh, going in the right direction with that. And I'll give him credit for that. And uh, I don't think it goes far enough. It doesn't go as, as far as our camping ban in El Cajon goes. But, you know, he's leading the way. And a lot of people look to him for um, – leadership in that area. And I'm hoping this will set a trend where all the other cities say we can do better than this. We don't have to live with people camping on our streets. I think that would be, that would be a great step, but he's also still a, a large proponent of the housing first model, yeah, w- yeah. which I completely disagree. With. I agree. I, yeah, so I'm housing first page. means that if you're going to put someone in housing and the person in charge of the housing says, we'll be happy to take you. But when you're here, we want you to be sober. We don't want you on drugs. We want to get you better. It's off the table for them, right? Yeah. Well, they can't get government funding if they, they do that. They can't get government funding. So if you want government funding, you got to take the heroin addict, let just, him shoot up, do whatever he wants. Just get him in the house because housing yeah. first. I mean, the perfect example of that is the housing vouchers in the city of El Cajon to, that are paid for by the county. Um, they take the housing first model. They, they don't vet people based upon their drug addiction problems or their, even their criminality problems, they just say, if you need a place, we're going to put you up in El Cajon and pay for it. That, you know, they, by the way, they're paying, um, I think it was $4,500 per month per person. It's and, a lot of money. Yeah. So, so one or two bedroom? Uh, I believe it's a, it's a single... That's like a hotel room? Single hotel room. So they're paying these hotels. Who owns the hotels? They're t- Private, private yeah, owners. Yeah, they're just they're just like all right. But so you, you know, think they would? Yeah, a private right. owner used to get seventy dollars a night for a crappy motel, and um, twenty one hundred bucks a month. Now they're getting one hundred and fifty dollars a night, and they're getting every night guaranteed. Gar- guaranteed. But the problem is, these people come <laughs> and trash the place, and they they commit all kinds of crimes. You know, in El Cajon, yeah. we've had all kinds of problems with these housing voucher folks. They they've couple of sex offenders came and raped several of our high school students. Jeez, um, God. A, a teenage girl was shot in the head, and she's in a vegetative state in one of these hotel rooms. Um, we've had all kinds of problems with people um, selling drugs and doing drugs and raping other people. And we just had a guy die of a fentanyl overdose in one of these hotel rooms. So it's a, it's a real problem. In, in context, is the crime rate lower in a Motel 8 without the voucher people in there? Well, I just tell you this: the unsuspecting person that comes and stays in one of those hotels, you might as well be staying in a prison. Yeah, you, you put your life in your hands. In fact, I will never go. At this point, I pay the extra money to stay in a nice hotel. Right. Because uh, you never know if you're going to have oh, one. Oh, I got you. Right. But if, if I ever had, if I ever had, you know, like when I go to Fort Bragg to visit a friend of mine, there aren't really no nice hotels there. 
And so I would ask the Motel 6, I would say, do you have any housing voucher people in the in your hotel? Because I'm not going to stay there. Right. And it's not Scary. because I'm prejudiced against homeless people. No, it's because you want because, to be safe. Because I know what the crime rate is right. in, in one of these hotels. So it's extremely high. Didn't El Cajon have a disproportionate amount of these hotels? Yeah, it seems like you guys Like you guys so had everybody. Like well, they, did you, you got the... Um, well, let's hear. Immigrants, too. No. It, no, no. So no the, I think it was refugees? the... Refugees? It wasn't the refugees. I think it was the home the homeless vouchers like they crammed them all in, a, in El Cajon yeah they did it, 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 look I think they were they were punishing us um do you remember that we had the encampment problem on Magnolia mm-hmm. yeah yeah right on that right on the border yeah so Magnolia goes from city to county and up to the county line there was you know we don't allow any camping in, in, in the city of El Cajon so there was no encampments up to the county line and past the county line it was like Bangladesh. I mean, we were having sex trafficking, rapes, God. open it, open it. People were having sex in the in the middle of the street. They were pooping all over the, the businesses. I mean, it was insane. And so I went to the county and said, you know, I want you guys to ha- to fix this. They just told me to pound sand. They said, you know, for, for we we're the county. We we don't care about this kind of thing. And so I said, you know what? Fine. I called all the uh, TV stations out and I said, this is the difference between the a conservative-run city, and a uh, a government that is liberal. And, and the difference is visual. You could see no homelessness up until the, Magnolia. the yeah. line, and then it was insanity. Yeah, yeah. And that embarrassed them, and they eventually had to, to clean up that encampment. But immediately, we started seeing more people on the streets, and we were like, where did they come from? And we I sent the police to do an investigation, and they found out that they had all been just like, dumped into El Cajon with this housing voucher program. So they would give these people vouchers through one of these NGOs I talked about earlier, and they would be able to stay in the hotel for over a month. And some of our hotels were 100% filled with homeless people. Some of them were 70 and 50% filled with homeless people. We looked into it, and even though El Cajon only represents 3% of the population of the county, we had 55% of the people that were in this housing voucher program were all in our hotel. So I got on TV again, and I said, well, why aren't these people in La Jolla and Del Mar and Carmel Mountain Ranch? And, yeah. you know, and of course, complete silence. And I, uh, I completely believe it's because I upset Nathan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I embarrassed him, and I called him out, and he um, is a hardball player, and that's – the way they deal with it. And, you know, I got to be honest, to this day, the county won't talk to us. We, we, we send them emails. We try to have meetings. We, we make phone calls. And it's not just me. They won't talk to our city manager. They won't talk to our planning staff. They won't talk to anybody. So that's no way to run a government. It's, it's the high school way to run a government. Um, but that's, that's sad. That's sad for the citizens. It's sad for the homeless. Well, you know, when it, comes, when it comes to – I'm going to do an analogy – to what's going on in your city. When you have an Airbnb, so it's a daily rental, there are certain rules that the city has imposed on these owners that if you violate a nose, noise ordinance or something, you the owner Get of fined. that gets fined. They also have it, uh, uh, the, some type of a tag program. If, you're, if your property has had too many noise complaints in a certain amount of time, the owner gets a, f- you get a five a five hundred five thousand dollar fine or whatever. 
So why doesn't El Cajon impose some type of a law that says to the owner of the hotel, if we have to send our police here, if we have so many, we're going to start to fine you and then fine them into not not taking these vouchers anymore. So we did that. And then we got a letter from Rob Bonta, the attorney general of of California. And he said he would basically sue us off the planet if we did anything like that. Why? Um, he said we were violating people's civil rights by by doing that. So we found a an innovative way to do it. We Jeez. can't we, do anything. We imposed a, a license that the NGOs, the non governmental organizations, had to get to do their services in our city, and then we can take the license away if they don't control their residents. So if they get, you know, if we have too many incidents where people are getting raped and murdered and and that kind of thing, then we can bring them before the council and the council has the option to take away their permit. So so when you're having all of this crime and all this going on, it just it just makes it seem like it would be very reasonable to have these people incarcerated in some type of a facility like you were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, a hospital setting or whatever, to help them so that they they can pick themselves up and live whatever life they can possibly live after being clean and sober. But it doesn't you can't do it in thirty days. So the problem is Right. Yes yeah. that that is the truth. Right. Yeah. So so if you go to like the McDonald's Center, a normal person has a family who has insurance, who has money, who has backup, who has family, the support, they can maybe do it in thirty days. And you I, I don't even believe that. Right. I, 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 they kinda, always fall back, right? I've come to the, to the conclusion that you know sobriety is a, a, about a year to a year and right. a half. Right. So it's going to say about a year. The intensive treatment. I you right. know you could, if you're a functional alcoholic and you go to the McDonald's Center for thirty days and then you go to a lot of meetings afterwards and you stay in therapy and then you know, you got a shot, but you know for somebody who's like been living on the streets right. and, and just doing drugs constantly for yeah. 10, 15, years. 20 years. I think you need to go to a program that's like two, three years long. Right. So that's the problem. So they, and in order to get them in there, you're violating their rights. You're arresting them it without seems like cause. everything that you've tried failed. Gets the, <laughs> well, it gets blocked by the government. It's like they're working against you. Everything you're right. trying to do is not just. But there, there are ways to force people. You can't force people to treatment. But you can force people into discomfort. You know, we don't have to make their life right. so easy. Right. You know, we we can. There could be stiff penalties for selling drugs and using drugs right. in the open. There there can be uh, stiff penalties for stealing or assaulting, uh, stealing things or assaulting somebody. Right. Um, you can. We can take away your money. You know, if if you. Come and you want social services, you want food stamps, you want uh, public assistance, uh, you want free cell phones, you want free medical care. You have to earn that by being a good citizen. If, if, if you misbehave, we should be able to take away those perks so that you become so uncomfortable. And people get upset with me for that. They say, oh, my God, you're talking about starving people. You're making them. Yes. Here's what I was <laughs> Because it would make them. Right. It so would make yeah, you got to motivate them. I believe in hitting rock bottom. No. I, I, that is a that is a tried and true concept in addiction treatment. What is, about this? You get these people. 
they're easy to catch doing a crime because they're doing them in plain view. If you arrest that person and they steal, even if it's a misdemeanor, that's up to one year in jail, right? Mm -hmm. Felonies are one year in prison up to death penalty. But, but let's say you have a misdemeanor. Make it a misdemeanor to steal. Now they have a choice. You put them in court and you go, you can either, you can, you have one year. You can go to jail for one year or you can go into this building for one year. Mm -hmm. If you're in this building for one year jail, you'll go right back out and do the same shit. <clears throat> if we put you in this, we have a wraparound service that's going to help you be a better person. And guess what? In your situation, you don't have the choice. We're going to put you there. But most of the people, they get to make a choice. They did that when in Vietnam when you get a prison sentence. All the time. Ten in the pen or four in the core, which meant you could do ten years in prison or you can join the military and be in the core military for four years. And that's why they had all those people going to the Marine Corps because they didn't want to go to prison. And well, they, they had structured some, not what, a lot, but there was a... There, there's enough to where there's a documentary on it and books written about yeah. it, but there's enough people that once they were in the court, guess what happened? They their straightened life straightened up. up because they're under strict guidelines with other people like them. So you take them and say, now that you're a prison, now that you've done 40 counts of whatever, auto theft, you're going to do time. You could do time here or you could do time there. And then that way they know, and if they screw up here, it's like probation or, or parole, then you go into the Because I don't think jail. there's a there yet. That's what I mean. So make the there. There, there. Just a suggestion. Well, I mean, we already have something called drug court. And, you know, that's a, a court just for drug offenses. And I'm not even sure if it's still operating anymore. But, it, you know, back 15 years ago, a lot of people went to drug court and they had the option of treatment or jail. And, and there was less homeless people. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I think this is an interesting point. So a lot of people say, you know, you can't change homelessness. It's just kind of, it's an organic thing of, of having a city. So, well, wait a second. How did we not have homelessness in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? I, and it, other states today in America can yeah. show you there's no homeless. Why is there no homeless there? Yeah, I mean, I lived in California. I know you can live right. in California without homelessness. I was I, born and raised here. There was no none of this stuff going on. It's it's just you know goes back to the same thing we've been saying all along. It's just a matter of political will. What is your next move politically? I do have a couple big moves coming. Just uh, just one right now. I'm running for Congress in the 51st congressional district. It's going really well. It's going to be a tough fight, but I think we can win. What do you do in Congress? Let's say you get elected. Tell the people what you actually do as a job. Like, what's what's a day in Congress? Because people don't know. They hear, I'm a senator. I'm a legislature. They just go, I don't, even, I don't even know what they do. Well, Congress's main job is appropriations, which is giving out money. And money is a very powerful tool because it, it if you don't fund something, you can't, you can't, can't do, do it. it. Right. Um, so I think one of the things that you can do to help California in Congress is to say, hey, California, we're not going to send you transportation money or health and human services money or housing money or, you know, any of the other pots of trillions of dollars that we send you if you don't clean up your cities. We're just not going to send you any money until you clean your cities up. Do what you have to do. Do it your way. Do it with your own values. But but fix it. I think Congress can be very effective in, the, in that case. But, you know, Congress uh, is part of the legislative body. They, they work in conjunction with the Senate to make laws. Right. So any law that, that is proposed has to either start in the Senate or start in the Congress, right. the House, and then it is um, 
agreed upon in the House, voted on. It, it, it passes in the House, so then it right. goes to the Senate. They right. they agree on it. Usually they say, well, we don't like this, and they send it back, send it and back, it goes back right. and forth and back and forth until they come up with a law that works for everybody, and then they, they pass it. And that's the, that's the checks and balances that the Founding right. Fathers had. Um, that's a lot of what Congress does. You know, right now, I, I think that as a congressperson, the big things that really concern me, I'm very concerned with the mental health crisis in America, which I think is all wrapped in with homelessness and the lack of treatment for psychiatric conditions and the lack of treatment options, you know, the long-term beds. So I think that's a big issue for me. Another big issue for me is the border. I, I You know, whether you think we should have more immigration or less immigration. I think any thinking person knows that you can't have just have an open border where just anybody comes in. Right. Um, and that's obviously what's happening. Um, you, you mentioned the sex traffic. It breaks my heart. I think Congress can do a lot. I think um, that we're going to have to deal with the cartels in Mexico. I, I think that there's a fairly good chance that that means that there's going to have to be some kinetic Involvement in that, meaning you, you're going to have to fight them yeah. at, at some level. Which, Boots on the ground. Which means cooperation with the Mexican government or classifying them as uh, a terrorist organization. However, that opens up a whole new can of worms, which you can go into. But I think the border is a big problem. I think the mental health crisis is a big problem. And I just think livability issues is what people care about. You know, it's funny. My opponent talks mostly about abortion rights. And transgender rights, which is kind of funny because in California you couldn't have more abortion rights. You, right? It, it's it's a Do what you want. completely free. Um, I, I don't see anybody with a lack of rights with transgenderism. I, right. it, it seems like the, it's a protected class, if you right. ask me. But I don't think people care about that. I think people say, "Why is my electricity bill so high? Right. Well, why is a banana so expensive? Food uh, costs. Uh, yeah, just." You know, why everything? Why can't I send my kids to school without being indoctrinated? Right. You know, these are these are things that that are bothering people. And that's I I think that uh, there's something you there's something you can do about that as as a mayor. Uh, There's more you can do about it as a congressman. And like you said, you're asking people, what are your needs and wants? And I'm going to help deliver for you. Like, it's not like. And, and, and you're hearing it from the people. Right. Well, we want the homeless off the streets. We want better mental health. We want our food costs to go down. We don't, I don't think anybody really wants an open border unless you're on the other side of the fence. Well, and you, think, you know, if you know how much damage comes from an open border, I happen to know because my wife's a trauma nurse and there's a lot of people that jump over that fence every day and they get broken hip bones. I mean, pelvic fractures, femur bones. I mean... Children, women, they try to climb over and they wipe out. And I know as a fact because they end up showing up at her trauma because we have, you know, if you make it over the fence and you're injured, you get to come to America and get treated by us. And so she sees the suffering of screaming people like every day. And people don't understand. It's not about whether or not a person can come over. It's like, hey, get a system in place, expedite it, do it quicker. But don't let them go through a desert and die. Don't let them go through water right. and drown. Don't let the babies die or or the, uh, the the coyotes to rip them off right before they cross. There's got to be a guest worker system. There has system. to be a better way to There's do it. There's got to be a better way to do this. It's ha- like we're, we're, not working. We're, we're a nation of immigrants. We understand 
uh, it's, and everyone thinks, which I used, I used to think it was many Hispanics were coming over. Okay, well, they deserve to have a good living, but it's everybody you, from you, the world. But, you know, you talk about the women and children, and I, and I have a soft spot for the women and children, too. But let's be honest. Most of the people crossing the border are military 18 to 25 right. male males, males yeah. right. that, that we have no idea why they're here. Right. And we have no idea what they've done, and we have right. no idea what they're up to. Right. You know, you combine that with the fact that we have 85,000 missing children who are showing up in sex rings and overnight factories. Well, all they, over. they send them to the organ donors as well all over the world. That's where the money is. Look, this is disgusting. We can do so much better, better as right. a nation. Right. It's so embarrassing. You see it happening because we're from San Diego and you go like, are we just going to keep watching these people suffer and and. And, there, you know, you talk about slavery and you're, you're having a lot of uh, race racism still going on or at least talked about it and about slavery. But you go, hey, it's human trafficking is the grossest form of slavery. And we're just watching yeah, it. There, there are more people enslaved right now than ever been ever in human history. Right. And we don't care about that because I don't because they're kids or because I look, I I'm, I'm pretty jaded. I, I think a lot of the reason we don't care about it is because. It's not our kid. People, no, because I think because people make make a lot of hay when there's a political advantage to doing so. Right. So right. I'll scream racism when it's to my advantage when I can uh, I can push my own agenda forward if it if right. it's good to scream racism. But you know when people are enslaved in the cobalt mines, ah, what do I care? And, right. And that, somewhere and, else. You know what when people are being sent to their deaths and to organ donation and in China as part of the Uyghurs, right. you know, we're like, well, I'm still going to support LeBron James because he's my guy. Right. E even though he's profiting off the, the deaths and mutilations of hundreds of thousands of people. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm different than that. I wouldn't say LeBron James I, because what I think is if you're going to go down that road, then the phone you're using right now is part of a child, you know, right. in cobalt. So we're all guilty of it. If just ah. because LeBron may stick out and you go like, look at this guy making millions, but we're all doing it. Yeah, well, I, but it's, I think there's a little bit of difference between LeBron and me in in that respect. Money wise, well, <laughs> we, we make about Hi. we make about yeah, taller. We make about the same amount of money, yeah. I mean, but it, he makes a little more. No. You're a little bit more famous. Yeah, no, but I mean, look, he. He is profiting. I'm not profiting from my cell phone. Mm -hmm. And if I had an alternative, I would take it. And, right. you know, you bring up a good point. I have to think about how I'm going to get myself away from that, that. But he is actively shutting anybody down who wants to talk about the, the atrocities happening in China. And there's something, there's a special place in hell for people who are, actively trying to protect persecutors of human beings. You know, if if we all looked at people in the early 20th century who tried to apologize for Hitler and the Nazis, and, you know, we rightly said they're revile, horrible people. And I'm telling you that those kind of things are happening today. And, you know, all of us are being so disingenuous. We buy our Prius and we feel great about that. And you're not thinking about the cobalt mines in Nigeria. Right. And, you know, you, you buy your your sneakers and you're not thinking about the, the slave labor that went to right. make or them. Or the soccer ball you're kicking or a whole and, bunch of stuff or the and, shirts you're wearing. And I think, and I'm not going to be holier than thou. I'm, right. we're, 
we're all guilty of this to some degree, right. a, a little or a, a lot, but we all should be taking a look at basic human rights. If I was a country and I was looking at America, I go, you want to talk about atrocities? You just had 50 people shoot each other in one weekend in one neighborhood uh, in, in Chicago. Like, that's not atrocities. You have multiple uh, shootings in malls where, where people are killing kids, going in schools, uh, assassinating. You of have course, homeless, they, you have homeless people. The problem with that is guns. Okay, what about the homeless issue where they don't have guns, but they're living on the streets and you guys are stepping over them as we're pooping in the streets where the multimillionaires living in the building that they're crapping on? on this. <laughs> so everyone has atrocities. It's a matter of, like, I think people have to get together more so to figure out these well, problems. Well, we hope that we get some good people. It uh, takes strong leaders. We, we, yeah, it takes really strong right. leaders. And so I'll tell you one quick story before we, we end. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I used to work in Hollywood. I w- was a musician up there. and I. Uh, what would you play? I play piano, sax, and guitar. I still play. Oh, I still okay. do a lot. Of, nice. A lot of work. So you had a fan club, too, when you were younger, right? <laughs> you talk about my lifeguarding. What about the guy who plays the sax? I got he almost it. killed it. It's like, no, not the sax player. <laughs> oh, no. He got all the we're girls. We're done, right? <laughs> I, got, I, well, I got a joke about that. My, my, I didn't have a saxophone for a long time. My, and this is a true story. My, my wife bought me one about five years ago, and I, it was really expensive. It's like, why did you spend so much? And she said she was tired of living in a saxless marriage. <laughs> 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 um, that was good. No, so I worked at, at Ocean Way Recording Studio right on Sunset. And um, about five recording studios down was the studio that they did the We Are the World video. Mm-hmm. So I rem- I used to have to open up the studio really early in the morning, and I would always have to step over all the bums sleeping in, in the hallway. Yeah, there. And I knew it was the same way at that other studio. So I, I'm on TV watching them singing, we are the world. We are. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking, they just stepped over all right. these homeless guys to yeah, go right. and sing this song about how wonderful they are. But yeah. it, the world is kind of a funny place sometimes. It is a funny place. Well, we wish you really – we wish you good luck. We know that you it, – it's just so bizarre, the political atmosphere right now. We got – I don't even watch the news anymore, by the way, but Trump's being indicted again for whatever, how many times you got... Uh, I think it's his fourth time. Fourth. And uh, and there's probably going to be more, whatever. It's just so... The whole, the world is weird right now. Everyone feels it. You can cut through it. Mm-hmm. No one's feeling secure right now. A lot of strange things are going on. So w- I wish you really well because you have you have big shoes to fill, but you have to have thick skin for this because you know you will be attacked character-wise. Yep. It is coming. It's, it, they don't hold back anymore. They used to call it mudslinging like 20 years ago where you say a little bit of bad, but now they just go for your family, your friends, something yep. you did in eighth grade. I mean, they're digging up stuff, and there's there's no ethics anymore involved. And and I wish you well because I don't know how you do it. I, I wish you well because you're just a good man. You really yeah, and are, and you're like a good you person. Talk. Like you're not. Right. You're like, like you're, you're just. Com- uh, hey, I just want to help people. Like, right. like to the core, you're like, I just want to help people. Right. He saw it. Live. You may not. You may not have all the answers, and sometimes you may be off. But, but for the most part, from what I gather from knowing you for a while, you're on track, and you you don't have like this e- ego. I think it's almost a pain in the ass for you to do this, rather than a benefit. I mean. You feel like it's a calling? Yes. yes. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It it's a calling. Yeah, I, it has to be. I, uh, you're not doing it for any other reason because no. you're the being reason, destroyed. The reason I'm running for Congress right now, honestly, is because I've come to the conclusion that the country is maybe an election cycle or two away from totalitarianism. Uh, yep. And 
that if that's the case, if I really believe that, then I got to try to take this particular radical out. And I think everybody all over America who has the there, there's a there's a handful of people that have the, the name recognition and the, the resume and the ability to take out some really left wing radical. I think they have an obligation to try at this point, because to me, it's like like the old movies where you're in the in the village it's surrounded by the wall and the and the people are trying to break in the wall and get in and and you know and you go to your to your room and you grab your sword and your wife says you know don't go and fight them you're going to die and it's like what choice do i have yeah. you know they're they're, they're they're coming in they're, they're knocking here. down the gates we right. got to we got to right. fight. There's. Right. It's not about my career anymore. It's not about my money. It's right. not about my relaxation or my my plans to travel. Right. None of that matters. Right. My my grandkids may grow up in a totalitarian right. environment. Right. And that's what I, that's what I mean. That's that's what more doing and more it for people, our kids. More and more people are feeling that they feel like, what do we, do we do? We need to burn the place down and start over. Do we need to have another war? Do we need to throw out? You know, you saw it. January 6th. Well, that gonna, was like the beginning. You never saw to, that before, but that's great. We're going to find out. We're because going to find out. Election is soon. Right. So in okay. August 2023, for those listening right now, so we're not sure what's going to happen in the future, but yeah, well, good I, luck. I, I, I will make a prediction right now okay, that this is, going okay. to be, this is going to be the most unusual election cycle we've ever seen. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I get the sense there's a palpable feeling in mind. That people have had enough, you know. Right. Pe- people could take so much. Right. It's like Popeye. I, 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 I can't yeah. take some yeah. more. Right. <laughs> and uh, I think there's going to be a revolution. I don't think it's going to be a bloody gun revolution, but I think it's going to be a revolution of people saying enough. Right. If you're crazy, too crazy. If you're crazy, get out. We're, right. Right. Like Jack Nicholson said, if you don't sell crazy here, we're all we're all full. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, don't know, I think that's what's going to happen. Thanks, thank guys. Thank you so much. Bill. What a great thank time. You, I, had a great, I had a fantastic Good. time. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button. And thank button. you, Mark. Yeah, and thank you, Mark. In the back, we have our crew in the back helping us with right. the cameras and doing all this stuff. And uh, that was a good talk. I wish we, I, I could keep going, but we got to end sometime. We end so all thank right. you so much. Let's go. Take care. We're out.